Welcome to our first Christmas week episode of Today on Broadway for Monday, December 20th, 2021. My name is Matt Tamanini. Uh, hi. Hi. I, I'm thrown <laughs> off because I'm not looking at a script. I'm doing it all verbatim. I was so. going to say, you have, you've gone completely off the rails. You're doing like the special intro. It still works, though. Yeah. It's who fine. are you? People know who you who are. are you? I'm Ashley Steves. I'm arts and culture writer, there Ashley Steves, in fact. I, uh, yeah. Uh, we're all off <laughs> because this is kind of a, a unique episode, and they will be for the rest of 2021, more than likely, unless yeah. we have a ton of news. We are going to open up with a traditional Today on Broadway where we run through basically a ton of COVID stuff. Not so much fun. Yee. But then at the end of the episode, uh, Grace and I, late last week, had an opportunity to talk through some of our favorite Christmas-related entertainments, some of them on stage, some of them on screen, some of them on albums. Um, so stay tuned to that. That was a really Ooh. fun conversation that she and I had. Got to know our own individual personal tastes a little bit better. So that is a fun Hi. thing. And we'll have some clips in there and some recommendations in, and we would love for you to share yours as well after you hear ours. Uh, of of course, how, you can hear all episodes. How far oh. will you follow the old man? Oh, I will follow follow him wherever he wants to go. Okay, just check it. Yeah, very good. You heard me singing that before we started recording, so very good. <laughs> uh, but as always, you can listen to all episodes of Broadway Radio before they are on a regular feed over at patreon.com slash broadwayradio. We recommend that you do that as a Christmas gift, not only to yourself, but to us as well. Um, all right, Ashley, we're going to start the show not with COVID stuff because we've got so much of that. I want to okay. start with something that is a little uh, more positive, and that is that it was announced that when the Phantom of the Opera celebrates its 34th anniversary on Broadway, they will have a new Christine Daae, and that will be in the form of their current uh, alternate Christine, Emily Cowchow, who will become the mm, first yay. black actor to play the role of Christine Daae on Broadway in the regular role. She will succeed Megan Pacerno, who has uh, been a longtime Christine, and the new Christine alternate will be Julia Udine, who has been a part of the show for in various capacities for many, many years. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. uh, Emily will take over officially on that 34th anniversary, which is is January 26th. Um, she will be joining the full-time cast that also features Ben Crawford as Phantom, John Riddle as Raul, Bradley Dean as Mansoor Andre, uh, who else is in there? Raquel Suarez Groen as Carlotta, uh, Mari Johnson as Madame Geary, Carlton Moe as uh, Ubaldo Piangi, and Sarah Esty as Megan uh, Meg Geary. Um, really cool. I have no interest in ever seeing the Phantom of the Opera again, but I'd go see it for Emily oh, just to see uh, to see that history finally being made. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, you know, we talked about it when she started being like the proper replacement and everything of like, obviously this is so long overdue and it's ridiculous that we're reporting see. this in 2021, but regardless, it is still historical. Um and, you know, I, we all know my feelings of Phantom. I can't imagine a situation in which I would see it, but this is probably the closest yeah, to a situation of which I would go see it. Yeah. Um, in other Broadway changes news, this one's much smaller, but it was announced last week that the second stage Broadway revival of the play Take Me Out has changed its first preview date. It was originally scheduled for March mm. 9th. It'll now be March 10th. There was just a change in the production schedule. Opening night still remains April 4th. Very tiny. Yeah, t- literally 24 hours. <laughs> um, all right. So do you want to get into the COVID stuff? 
I mean, I don't, but I feel like we must. <laughs> All right. So we have uh, delays and cancellations, large and small. As it was announced on uh, either Friday or Saturday that MJ had canceled their performances through December 26th due to multiple positive COVID test results. Now, when people first heard that, I saw a lot of people talking online about, wow, that seems like such an overreaction. But it's important to remember that MJ is still in previews. So the fact is that they probably mm-hmm. have not had an opportunity to do many understudy or standby or swing rehearsals, if any at all. And what's the point of having preview performances um, if a large portion of your cast can't be there to exactly. do the previews? Now, exactly. of course, the one benefit is is the ticket money, but it doesn't actually help the production if, you know, maybe say some principals are part of these infected. And I don't know that they are. I'm just supposing sure. if they've got multiple positive tests, there's probably at least a couple uh, principals in there. You probably don't want to be having a bunch of shows without them anyway. So I understand why they do this, um, especially because I think it was announced on the 17th, which was Friday. So that 10-day quarantine would take them up through the 26th so that they can resume production or resume performances on the 27th. Um, Similarly, but to a much smaller degree, uh, it was announced on Sunday that Jagged Little Pill had canceled performances through the weekend. And of course, they are dark on Monday, so they will uh, supposedly return to performances on Tuesday, the 21st, hopefully having a full unspoiled week uh, of Christmas week performances. We also heard on Sunday that a handful of productions were canceling performances, including Aladdin on Broadway, uh, Moulin Rouge on Broadway, Morning Sun, and Kimberly Akimbo off-Broadway. So lots of stuff going around. And this opens up a really interesting conversation, Ashley. Mm. Recently, there's been a lot of changes in how sports leagues are defining who has to be tested and what has to be done if they are tested. We have seen Mm. specific specifically the NFL, who is getting close to the end of their regular season and heading into the playoffs, um, now saying that asymptomatic people who are um, fully vaccinated and boosted do not have to do regular weekly testing. They only have to do testing if they are um, in close proximity to somebody who tests positive or if they start developing symptoms. Now, if, so- if someone is not vaccinated, they still have to do daily tests as they have been before. And what's really interesting about this is that as we are starting to get more and more of the scientific data on the Omicron variant, um, it is saying that even if people um, do get it, if they are vaccinated, and especially if they are boosted, they are more often asymptomatic or even just lightly symptomatic than the previous original strand of the COVID-19 or the Delta variant. So it makes sense. It still makes me super uncomfortable, but I do wonder if the Broadway League and and Equity and all of the other unions involved in this might take a similar thing because it seems like from what we are hearing, if you're just canceling for one day, that means that not a ton of people are infected and it doesn't seem like people are dramatically ill. So if they do kind of look as the CDC releases more information and we start to get a little bit better handle on the Omicron, um, maybe they will adjust what it means that productions have to do if someone does. Again, super makes me nervous, but like it seems like that makes sense if we are following the science and that's what all of us people who are vaccinated and boosted and care about sure. you know public health are trying to do i think the problem lies in that everyone is trying you know the the problem being a double-edged sword is that everyone is trying to do right so we are 
we going with the science as it comes up each day. And right now in New York, it's like an hour by hour change. A lot of like testing, unfortunately, to kind of like readjust testing to less frequent or, you know, a, a thousand other variations kind of relies on the idea or principle that the Omicron variant is the only thing going around, which unfortunately is not the case. If that was the thing, sure. if that was the case, it would, this would be a lot easier to contain. It would be a lot easier to manage, but all these variants are going around simultaneously. And right now the big one of the moment is the Omicron one, which as you said, does seem to be a little bit more easily managed as long as you've been vaccinated and got boosted and everything um, and are still taking precautions. So right now we have all these shows shutting down um, maybe for just one person, but obviously that one person yeah. is going to be in contact with others. We don't know what the health is of all the people that is that are on stage like obviously one person is different from the next one person may have different pre-existing conditions than others yeah, immune issues immune yeah. issues all kinds of things i mean obviously it was pre-vaccination but we have seen uh, unfortunately the deaths of many broadway actors and people in general um and i don't want to go through that again i think obviously being as cautious as possible is the right way to go right now we are really coming down to that line of like not even art versus commerce but artists versus commerce and the business of broadway and i think unfortunately one way or another we're going to see the league kind of make decisions based on the commerce side well but there there is an artist side to the commerce side as well Uh, uh, you know there is there is so much that goes into these decisions not only from the health side of things uh, they are very hand in hand yeah yeah it's like a seesaw you have to find the right balance and overdoing it on one side can hurt the other side whether that's the yeah. health concerns hurt the personal financial ability to buy food and pay Definitely rent side of things yeah if you focus on the commerce side too much uh, and that's the one that's up in the air down on the bottom is the health side so they yeah. have to find that balance and hopefully that there are people far, far smarter than than me making those decisions because <laughs> I, what the hell us. do i know i hope so yeah. For both of us. But that is very yeah. much the thing is that we don't really have the answer of what is the balance yet. We don't know. And I don't what, know that we ever can, really, because yeah. it's all a crapshoot. We don't know what's going to happen next. And things are changing so quickly that our decision one day of what that balance will be, if shutting down is better, if keeping things up is better, if more testing, if less testing is better, that could change the next day. Like, this is, it's all so fast moving that it just becomes that situation again, like when we had the shutdown and, you know, all the dates changing um, and that line moving, like, it has to be, there has to be a baseline, essentially. Like, we need to create a new yeah. baseline where we're at right now and kind of go from there because everything is going to continue to move fast. Yeah. Um, speaking of moving fast, the public theater has announced a new requirement for audience members to attend a performance at the venerated off-Broadway theater. In addition to the foolproof of vaccination that they've required for a long time, as all Broadway theaters have in addition to the public, they are now requiring effective last Friday that all audience members present a negative COVID test taken within 24 hours of the performance for admittance into the show. This is currently in place through January 30th, and they will update 
um, their policies accordingly after they have kind of seen what happens over the next month and a half. Actually, I don't want to talk about this a long time because I feel like we know what yeah. this is, but like this is going to prevent a lot of people from going to shows at the public. Of course, of course. And that's that's where we're at right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, okay. So I do want to wrap up before I get into the conversation that Grace and I had uh, pointing out in a really fascinating and kind of upsetting but not surprising article from the New York Times. Uh, Amanda Morris wrote a story called The Music Man Once Had a Disabled Character, Then He Was Erased. Ah, uh, yeah. It, it's a great story. Um, the it seems like in the early drafts of Meredith Wilson's The Music Man, um, Winthrop was not Winthrop. In fact, his name was Jim. He is still Marion's younger brother. But instead of just being inflicted by a lisp, is actually a boy who 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 is in a wheelchair and in some mm-hmm. versions of the show, according to the article, quote, was limited, has limited use of his arms and could not speak. Additionally, as was true during the time that the music man takes place, um, many townspeople thought that Jim should be sent to some sort of institution and that nobody with those types of, of situations and disabilities should just be in life in general and they should be in some sort of institution. Um, the producers of the show thought that that was a little bit too harsh for a otherwise semi-feel-good mm. musical, yeah. and they kind of forced Meredith Wilson, who is a man, Laura Osnes, to change <laughs> uh, that to the with Winthrop with a lisp. So, really fascinating mm. history story. I love these types of things that I had no idea about, but this is I didn't either, yeah. this is such a great story, um, and I, I I was fascinated by it. For from the beginning to end. And I had some friends who happened to be at the invited dress for the music man. Thought it was freaking fantastic. So uh, I I am not surprised based off the fact that it's the same team that did Hello Dolly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the Hugh Jackman of all. It could be horrible and Hugh Jackman's in it. They're going to charge that much. But it is effectively the same team that did Hello Dolly, which was a a, a sterling uh, revival. Um, Keys have been changed, but shocking yeah. and lots They're of tap dancing but there, that's, of, of you, course of course you look at who's in it that's not a surprise um but anyway yeah. all right before we continue with the episode ashley let's talk about our sponsor this week upstart we are neck deep in holiday shopping and we are getting to the point where we have no more shopping days left which means we might have already maxed out our credit cards and spent beyond oh, God, our yeah. means um so if you are in that situation upstart is here to help you can pay off existing credit card debt quickly and easily and start the new year right with a fresh financial slate. Considering I literally had nightmares about my finances last night, I'm so thankful for things like Upstart. As you said, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. And rather than looking at your credit score alone, Upstart considers other factors like your income, your current employment, and your credit history. They find you a smarter rate for for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. And you can even receive your funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Yeah. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash Broadway. That's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash Broadway. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Once more, go to upstart.com slash broadway. 
Ashley, that is all that we have for today on the Today on Broadway version of this episode. Um, So let's now send it over to me, because I'm going to introduce you to the conversation (laughs) that Grace and I had about some of our favorite um, stage and screen Christmas and holiday related properties. Welcome to a special holiday edition of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini, and I am joined, as always, and not always because we rarely actually do shows together. It actually makes my heart kind of sad. But I am joined today by the great Christmas-loving diva herself, Grace Aki. Grace, how are you? Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy everything. Holidays, Matt. Oh my God, I'm so excited that we're finally doing a very niche portion of of holiday uh, media. So here we are. Yeah. So today, Grace and I are going to talk about our favorites and multiple uh, Christmas slash holiday genres. We're just going to run through them. We're going to talk about our favorite animated slash claymation, stop motion, whatever holiday movie or special. Then we're going to talk about our favorite holiday album. Then we'll move into our favorite, like, live-action, real-human-being holiday movie. And then we'll finish, because this is Broadway Radio, with our favorite holiday play or musical. So um, we can kind of go back and forth on these, Grace. Why don't we start with our favorite animated or claymation, stop-action, whatever, um, holiday movie or special? Uh, since they, there's such a history of these uh, interesting things showing up on TV, I, didn't, I wanted to make sure that we can use those as well. Yeah. So, okay. I guess I will start with uh, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Mm, Classic. Um, I think that the wiry 60s nature of of this film is just so ingrained in me that I can frame by frame, tell you what's happening if somebody were to play, you know, the underscoring yeah. of the music or or even just the narration. It's just so sweet to me. And um, I just, I can't, un- I can't unsee it. Yeah. Now, did you have like uh, a connection with that that went to like the subsequent films in the Broadway musical? Like, or is it just confined to no. the original? No, not a big fan of all the iterations. I found that when I was growing up, most boys liked the live action, sweet, sweet friend of the fam, uh, Ron Howard's adaptation of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Friend of the fam. I am friends with his daughter, neither here nor there, so I can't speak ill. Bryce? Yeah, no. Page. Oh, the other one? Oh, not <laughs> um, no, I don't know Bryce at all, but lover knows. Um, I just, <laughs> I can't, I, I can't stress enough how I feel like this one is the more superior How the Grinch totally. Stole Christmas adaptation. Uh, you can watch it on uh, Peacock. You can rent it on Amazon. It's probably streaming on 25 Days of Christmas, given every single uh, platform because it's so sweet and it brings everyone together and everybody holding hands and Whoville is the cutest thing in the world. Granted, I don't think there are any people of color, which we should talk about, but I think that uh, you really had to say it, didn't you? I mean, he's green. This is green face and that's different. (laughs) Uh, But I think that uh, this one has to be my number one for animated because I did choose a claymation choice as well. So I want to know from you, Matt, what were your picks? You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. 
Well, I my favorite is in a similar vein. It is the Rankin and Bass version of Frosty the Snowman that came out in 1969. And it, of course, is narrated <laughs> by the great Jimmy Durante, who is also, of course, name checked in Anything Goes. Um, so I love that one. It's just so loving and so full of uh, of joy, but also because anytime somebody says happy birthday, yeah. I just always think of Frosty the Snowman. Yeah. Happy birthday! So um, I, I go with that one. I always enjoy that one um, when it's on. And interestingly enough, I did not know this until I started looking this up. It aired on CBS originally, but all the animation was actually done um, uh, in Japan under the watchful eye of Hanna-Barbera's uh, Japanese staff. So um, I did not know that and uh, was uh, kind of thought that was a, a kind of cool thing. Okay, well, you you said my rank and bass choice. So um, I want to I just want to quickly say that there's a very, very niche um, adaptation of a, of a children's book that was basically a symphonic poem uh, from Raymond Briggs 1978 picture book called The Snowman. It was released in 1982. And it was basically just for British uh, TV. Ooh. But it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Animated Film. It makes me cry every time I watch it. I really hope I don't know if you're able to put this in the show notes but the link to the youtube video there's one where david bowie is introducing it it is absolutely unhinged there's no speaking in the film and then there's this beautiful little boy singing with walking in the air and it literally will make you cry so okay. i'm just saying it's really sweet and if you've never seen it it's the perfect little short film that's about not even a half hour to show your uh, loved ones that's great uh yes yeah, i'm over that link and we'll put it in the show notes yeah all right, so um, I'll uh, I'll go I'll start us off with this next one since you kind of went back and forth there. Our next category is favorite holiday album. Now there was a handful of holiday albums that we had in heavy rotation as 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 a kid <laughs> uh, with my family. It included, of course, Barbara's album, um, Andy Williams' album. Eventually, Harry Connick Jr. and Boys to Men worked their way in there. Um, but the two that are like the albums. Um, for my childhood in terms of Christmas albums were my mom's favorite, The Carpenters. The Carpenters Christmas album remains amazing. Uh, but my mom was also a huge John Denver fan. So that brings me to my favorite Christmas album, John Denver and the Muppets, colon, mm. A Christmas Together. Um, it is absolutely utterly unhinged perfection. The 12 mm. Days of Christmas um, with all of the Muppets is fantastic have yourself a merry little christmas by rolf is so so good um little saint nick um with dr teething the electric mayhem is just perfect um it's i i love this album i have it on vinyl i went and bought it on vinyl uh because i had to have it in the original form that um that i listened to it and i think i can't remember if this made it to air or i cut it or, or maybe actually cut it uh, but i mentioned the christmas is coming song um a couple times in the past few weeks uh, when i was recording with ashley i'm um, about the hey pennies and hey penny will do if you haven't got a hey penny then god bless you christmas is coming the goose is getting fat yep. please put a penny in the old man's hat if you haven't got a penny then a hey penny will do if you haven't got a hey penny then god bless you yeah i, ju I just sang that but yes that's that's the song i was talking about but no i'm kidding i love this album um and this will always bring a, a smile to my face even though it was released before i was born but this was a huge part of my holiday season uh holiday seasons as a kid on the 12th day of christmas my true love gave to me 
bum, bum. Four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. Weird. Um, I, what do you got? I went- what do you got, Aki? <laughs> I got even a, a just honestly dumb. Um, so a couple of years ago, let's call it 2011, uh, She and Him released a very She and Him mm. Christmas starring Zoe Deschanel and musician M. Ward. I made the mistake of telling the store manager of the place I was working at, which was a beautiful, lovely card shop in Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, about this album that was released. And unfortunately, my ears know every song skip of that album now because mm. it was played on loop in that store because everyone loved it so much because it was brand new. Um, and I think it's a really lovely Christmas album. So that's the one I recommend. And then I have to throw in because I, I should and I want to a Broadway Records recommendation, which is uh, If the Fates Allow, the Hades Town Christmas album. Yeah, the arrangements good. by Anais Mitchell are freaking fantastic. The, the entire cast is on the album. It's beautiful. And even if you aren't a Hades Town fan, which I don't know how you aren't, yeah, um, go it's away. just... It's just a lovely holiday album, so I recommend that you check it out. I love that. Um, all right. So let's now talk about our IRL favorite holiday movies. Um, uh, Grace, why don't you start us off uh, with this one? What is your favorite uh, real live actual human being holiday movie? Does it also feature Zoe Deschanel? You know, it doesn't. Um, even <laughs> though that one is iconic. We love an elf stand. Um, I love James Caan's turn in it. Are you freaking kidding me? What? Again, we had this conversation uh, before we started. Like there are just some movies that hit when I was not at the right age. Elf came out in 2003. I was a senior in college. I just it, I, I didn't see it. Well, same guy who made Iron Man made Elf. John so and, uh, yeah. and of course appears in the new a uh, Spider-Man movie, which I saw on Tuesday night. No spoilers. I know you saw it, and that's why I haven't talked to you in two days. Because okay. <laughs> I just <laughs> want to talk about it. Uh, but I haven't seen it either. So my Christmas pick, my holiday pick, is one that I am sure with new lenses is highly problematic. And to be honest, it's one of those that I give a pass to because Christmas Vacation is my Christmas Eve movie every single year. Do we like Chevy Chase now? Not really. Do we love no. him then? Absolutely. Randy Quaid, you've seen me draw Cousin Eddie. I love I frame by frame, funny freaking movie. It's silly. It's hijinks. Um, the whole family is just, even like Doris Roberts is in this. Juliet Lewis is in mm-hmm. it. John Galecki. Like, it's just Julia a really- Louis-Dreyfus. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Uh, is she in this one or is she? Oh, that's right. She's, she's the, the neighbor. neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's the hot neighbor. Um, yeah. They love futuristic things in their stereos. Uh, but this is a National Lampoon movie who kind of helped create like what I understood comedy was when I was a young person. So you can watch it on HBO Max if you are feeling so inclined. And that's my pick. What about yeah. you? Yeah, well, not only have I seen you draw Cousin Eddie, I bought one of your Cousin Eddie picks for my brother for Christmas last year. So I gave it to him as a gift. So uh, this is uh, very true. Also, somebody who is incredibly problematic now um, that he was not back then. But Randy Quaid, get out of here. Yeah, You're not uh, the good Quaid anymore. No, I will take your brother. Shitter was full. Ah, 
Yeah. You checked our shitters, honey? Clark, please. Um, but mine, I am going back a little further. I am going back to before my parents were born, and I'm going to go with Irving Berlin's White Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. I love this one. I mean, of course, Bing Crosby, Danny Kay never yeah. misses, Rosemary Clooney, Vera Ellen. Um, I saw this as a kid, obviously, and it, it what stuck with me, and I, I think as people know, I am a sentimental crier, and I cannot go even to this day without crying whenever I hear... I'll follow the old man wherever he wants to go. Like, I will tear up anytime I hear that singing, whether it's on stage or screen. Um, But so, like, that was my hook to it. And, like, that's really all I remembered from, like, seeing it as a kid. But then as um, I got older and I saw it again during different holidays, I was like, this is just so good and so sweet and everybody is so good um obviously the song white christmas but then sisters of course um oh it's so good yeah and then gee i wish i was back in the army uh you know and and all of that stuff so um best things happen while you're dancing oh my gosh that is such a great dance scene as well so ellen just absolutely is the most sex bomb hottie mccotterson's in this film like her costumes are so striking rosemary clooney you gorgeous you're amazing but i can i can't unsee vera ellen in this film yeah and and of course this was adapted into um a stage show um that was done multiple times before it came uh before it came to broadway and um uh, starred uh, uh, James Clow, Mara Davey, my my beloved Melissa Erico, Tony Yazbek, um, all kinds of of great folks, and then went to the West End and all of that stuff. So, um, love me some White Christmas. So I very much uh, still will watch that usually once or twice uh, uh, every holiday season. Nice. So let's go. That is not my choice for my favorite holiday stage show, though. So I'll, I'll go first because I wanted you to end on this one. So I started to go through and I started to think, all right, so how can I pick something that's not like the standard cliche thing? I was like, OK, well, there's a hard candy Christmas and best little whorehouse in Texas. I mm. guess I could go with that. Um, then there's, of course, you know, Mame um, has We Need a Little Christmas, which is a song we sang in show choir in high school. Um, and we called it Corral, but we sang uh, We Need a Little Christmas, but I'm not going to go with that. Then there's Promises, Promises, and Don't You Dare Argue With Me. Uh, Turkey Lurkey Time is absolutely a Christmas oh, song. If you no, don't realize no that, you're in here. No, not you. I meant people in general, because like... People post it at Thanksgiving, and you're dumb if you do that. Um, we could even go rent because it opens on December 24th at 9 p.m. Eastern that Standard was, Time. That was uh, me. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then um, there's she's she loves me as well, which uh, has the countdown to Christmas, which is so funny and so smart. I almost went with that, but I didn't because my thing is is that to be considered a Christmas movie or play or whatever, if you removed all of the Christmas stuff. 
the show wouldn't work or the movie wouldn't work. That's why Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, because if you removed all that stuff, Die Hard still works. Yeah. So I went with something that I don't I don't think has ever been on Broadway, but um, was the first Christmas thing that I ever directed. That is the mm-hmm. best the best Christmas pageant ever. It's so it is so good. Um, it's a play about a teacher who puts on just a terrible Christmas pageant that ends up, of course, being touching and sweet. It's based on a novel um, by Barbara Robinson. And um, it just it's like this family of like six kids who are kind of all misfits um, who come in and they're unkempt and, and they don't really know what they're supposed to be doing with all of this stuff. And then, of course, they end up being the ones that kind of teach everybody the true meaning of Christmas. So um, the best best Christmas pageant ever is so sweet, so incredibly nice and and lovely and kind of encapsulates everything about what the holiday season should be. It's not the biggest. It's not the flashiest. It's never been on Broadway. But for some reason, this still holds a a nice place in my heart. That's really low. I think I played Imogene when I was little. That tracks. Firm, but I'm like 90 percent sure yeah. I had to stand there in a dinky. I had put like dirt on my face. Um, okay, so I'm going to end this with, and I don't know if this passes your test, Matt. But a couple years fine. ago, I got to see Holiday Inn on Broadway at the Roundabout Theater Company. It, of course, is a mu- musical based on Paramount's uh, 1942 mm-hmm. film, uh, and this is another Irving Berlin. But I think that it it was just so lovely, and it reminded me of the holidays. And and I know that White Christmas is the one that people point to, but but I, I like to go with Holiday Inn on that one. Well, I, mm, I know. Uh, would you consider it a Christmas mu- movie? No, no like Christmas be- would. Yeah, because like it's all the holidays, like oh, yeah. Easter, Fourth um, uh, of July. They they yeah. include everything. There is obviously White Christmas. The song is also in uh, Holiday Inn, as is Happy Holiday. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess you could include it, but it is very nice. Um, our, our Broadway Radio's old friend, Patty Murin, did all of the out-of-town tryouts and then got replaced for Broadway, um, uh, which she still kind of laments to the day. Um, her and her husband actually did it at the Muni um, oh, wow. in, in 2015, and then they both got replaced uh, for Broadway the next year um, by Bryce Pinkham and Laura Lee Gayer, respectively, I think. Yeah. Um, but this is streaming as well. I've watched it a number of times on mm-hmm. whatever streaming services that it's on corbin blue tap dancing is never a bad thing so um i do love that so yeah i mean i think this counts anything that irving berlin writes and then has like white christmas in it like yeah i think that works i'm dreaming of a white christmas just like the ones i used to know Treetops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. Also, though, if you are a Pascal Paul fan, like a Christmas story is honestly a really fun yeah. musical adaptation of a popular film. So that would be my other answer is a more Christmas oriented movie or that turned into a show is the Christmas story, which also got to play on. I think it was one of the televised musical Fox. live musicals yeah, like Fox. two years ago. Yeah. So you can probably find it there. I'm not a Christmas story fan. I like the original movie. Yeah, I just wanted to throw something in. Yeah, no, I love Pascal and Paul. Um, Edges, Dogfight, 
uh, two of my favorites, but the movie, I'm talking about like the movie movie, the original one, I, I, it doesn't do anything for me. Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat. Nice. Please do put the penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't got the penny, a head penny will do. If you haven't got the head penny, then God bless you. Anyway, let us know what your favorite animated claymation holiday movies or specials are, your favorite holiday albums, your favorite play musical, um, your favorite live action holiday movies. Let us know at uh, Broadway Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Grace, where can people find you? You can absolutely stalk my social media at It's Grace Aki. And you can find me at BWW Matt. Um, whatever you're doing for this holiday season, even if it's nothing, we hope you have a restful and relaxing and joyous holiday season, whatever it is that you celebrate. And I don't know what day this is coming out, but chances are pretty good that we'll talk to you tomorrow in some other holiday-themed episode. We're finished. Oh, I knew that. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, this is Ashley. We hope that you have a wonderful Monday, a wonderful holiday week, whether you celebrate Christmas or not. We hope that this week is full of joy and hopefully some rest if you get some time off work as well. Uh, I hope that you get a chance to see some family and friends, but I also hope mm. that you do it safely. Yes. And if you have to be quarantined and away from friends and family that you were able to connect some way hopefully virtually electronically so have a wonderful week let us know your favorite holiday properties in the veins that grace and i talked about and we will be back to talk to you tomorrow